First Peter 5. Hallelujah. Hasn't God been good to us this week? Praise the Lord. I, I'm not saying this world's been good to us, but God has. Amen. Amen. First Peter 5. And uh, let's just pray. Will you help me pray, everybody, not only for the preaching, but also the hearing of God's Word. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for being so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for your precious blood that was shed for our sins. God, Lord, we love you, God, and we ask you to have your way in the preaching of your Word. Lord, help me. Lord, God, anoint me to deliver your heart and your mind, God, and and Lord, that you would minister to everyone here today, God. Lord, God, be give us give us strength, give us help, God, and we'll give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. We pray. Everybody said, "Amen, Amen." First Peter five, verse five says, "Likewise." Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Praise God. There oughtn't be, you know, a child of God oughtn't be worried at all about being submissive, being kind, being humble. Amen. Amen. That's among the church. I know a lot of folks, they want to pound their chest and and maybe some get intimidated. All the preachers got all this authority and we're supposed to submit. And that's what the Bible says. And all the, the man's got so much authority and a woman's supposed to submit. But... But I think folks get the wrong idea. A humble attitude is a Christian attitude. And we ought to not only be humble and submit ourselves unto the elder, but let's go on. It says, yea, all of you. Somebody say, that means me too. Amen. That means me too. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. There's an attitude in the church, amen, of humility. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. What you wearing this morning to church? Oh, that's just humble. Amen. Don't be proud of it. Hallelujah. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. There's the the real motivator. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace. How many need grace? Well, he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, how many think it's probably not a coincidence that we're talking about humility and pride And he just goes right into saying, hey, you know the devil's roaming to and fro around here. It's not a coincidence. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. God bless you. You can be seated. In light of it being Father's Day... I could very easily just begin with a simple statement and say, men are under attack. But every time I've played that out in my mind in preparation for this message, um, I think that 
it goes without saying that we're all under attack. That you don't get into church without a fight, and you certainly don't stay in church without a fight. The enemy is roaming to and fro. I think a lot of times we recognize through not just specific preaching, but just the attitude of our preaching, that the devil is a defeated foe. That we're, we're not focused on, oh, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? The devil uh, may get the upper hand. No, no, if you get your faith right and get your focus right, the devil is under your feet. But recognize you can't play games. I think a lot of people kind of in their minds get this idea that I can kind of do what I want, make my own choices, get in, get out, do this, and get right back to the altar. It's not that easy. It's not that easy when you start to plan about how it's uh, compromise and, and uh, playing with the world is, is not so dangerous. The devil knows what he's doing. And you are safe and you are secure in Jesus, but, but when you get careless, there is an enemy that is waiting for your misstep. There is an enemy that is watching you and uh, ready to pounce like a lion on a weakened prey, a careless animal that would stray. Be vigilant, the Bible says. Watch, be careful, be aware of what's going on. Be serious about this. I could very easily preach to you, and no one would disagree, that in this day we're living in, young people are under attack. And I have had many. I'm not sure if young people sometimes come to church and feel like, oh, nobody understands and, and people just don't get how hard it is for me sometimes. But many, many times I've talked to those who aren't so young and saying the same thing. They have it so hard and there's so much against them. And I'm praying for, for young people today. Huh? I believe our sisters, the women in the church, are under attack. I, believe, I don't believe it's getting any easier for, for not just young ladies, but anybody that wants to be a Christian godly woman. Amen. They're under attack of the enemy. But today we are talking about men, and I believe God, every one of us has a special place in God's plan. No matter what uh, age or how married, single, young, not so young, we're all important in the house of God. So when on Mother's Day we talked about the virtue of a, of a godly woman, we, we talked about that strength. How many remember the definition of a virtuous woman? If you read the, uh, the definitions in, in uh, Hebrew encyclopedias and, and dictionaries, you'll see... Same language of a soldier. Strength to be able to stand for what is godly when everything is against you. And uh, everybody's got a special place in the kingdom of God. And as we maybe in this message this morning focus a little bit more towards the men, I, I know that every one of us needs to hear this and needs to understand that we are under attack and and every one of us needs to be careful of our place. I thought last night, just thinking on the things of God and thanking God for some of you that were 
are stable and solid and, and praying for you because I know that giving up is the farthest thing from your mind. But forgive me when somebody makes an amazingly just courageous statement and says, giving up is not an option. And I, I can't ever imagine myself walking away from everything God's done for me. But the thing is, nobody really does think that way. It doesn't come because you carefully planned to give up your place in heaven. It doesn't happen because you came up with an idea how to step by step get farther away from the God that saved you, forgave you, blessed you. But it comes from very careless actions. Things that you justify little by little. And step out. No, uh, can I say, uh, antelope or animal out on the in the field ever thinks, you know what, I think I'll step over here where the lions are. I think maybe I, I desire to, you know, you don't consider that you are prey for the enemy. But carelessness and choices that are made that are not God's best for you. And I pray for you. And I hope that... Giving up and falling away is something you could never imagine, but understand you still need to be vigilant. You still need to be sober. You need to beware. Amen. The Bible is uh, very clear. Pride will get in our way and cause us to trip up and fall. Pride is... uh, in many ways, something that we don't think about. We see sin and uh, sometimes our definition, maybe in our minds, looks at the one who is uh, has external, maybe the way they dress or, or, or even uh, uh, their, their, this, their, what they're listening to and, and what they're joining themselves with in this world, ungodly behaviors, ungodly uh, just practices, but but uh, a spirit and a and an attitude of arrogance and pride is really, no matter how you dress, no matter where you are, it is ungodliness and will cause you to fall. It'll cause you to be less like Jesus and more like the devil. Amen. That's strong words, but but the Bible says that we ought to praise God, be humble in our attitude one toward another. Humble in the house of God. Thank God for what He's done for you. Thank God for His many blessings. Thank God. Amen. But uh, you can be blessed and folks can be doing poorly and you can still be humble. You can still have an attitude like Paul that says, I'm, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the least worthy of this. I don't deserve this. Do you act like you don't deserve it? Amen. You've got some battles won under your belt. You've got some uh, accomplishments that you've done. You've been a blessing and a help in the kingdom of God. God bless you. But don't act like now all of a sudden you deserve God's blessings. You ought to be thankful God's ever used you. You ought to be thankful God's ever seen fit to, to work in your life. Amen. Pride is so dangerous. And I'm here today to tell you that none of us is is uh, safe enough to not worry about pride coming into our lives. Consider those around you. Consider those that, 
that, that are weak. Consider those that are, are, are struggling. Consider those that, that uh, whatever, they might not be just uh, have the same gifts as you. And they might not have the same battles as you. But an attitude of humility is what we ought to clothe ourselves with. I, I do believe that every one of us is so important in the house of God. And men, you have your place in the kingdom of God. And, and I believe there's something in every one of us that wants to do something for God. There's something in every one of us that wants to accomplish. If you've got the Holy Ghost, I, didn't, I don't mean just you have some kind of, kind of shallow experience where you felt something, and, but you've got the real deal. You've, you, you know your sins are forgiven. You've been buried in the name of Jesus, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you know your, your name's written down. Can I tell you, there's got to be something in you that says, I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to glorify my Father's name. I want to accomplish something before I get out of here. I want to give back because I've been given so much. Amen. I, I, I always, uh, when I think about how it just ought to be in our lives that we do something for God, I think about the travail, the, 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 the heart-wrenching cry of Rachel that says, Give me children or else I'll die. I want to I wanna do something for, for the kingdom of God. I want to be something for God. Amen. I don't want to just be a recipient, although I am. But I want to be able to say God had the, uh, the, the confidence in me to be able to do something through me. Amen. And I believe, uh, I believe there is something in men. I believe there's something that God put in men that they want to... to, to be an example to be a leader, to be someone who can who can be uh, there for someone, someone who can guide someone. Uh, the Bible talks about headship and authority. But in that, if you get yourself prayed up and humble and 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 have a heart that says, God, I want to do your will. It's not that I want to lord over someone. In fact, when you look at this, first, Peter is talking to to elders in the church, and he says, don't be a lord over God's heritage. It is a perversion of God's will in your life to be a bully, to, to, uh, to just be overbearing and obnoxious and, and, and try to set yourself up above people. But God puts things in order, puts you in a place in your home or in the church to serve. To help people get better in their lives. A lot of folks don't get that about loving people and serving people. It's not just all about just validating people and telling them they're great, they're wonderful, they're awesome. And you, Sometimes it doesn't feel good, but to be loved and led. You, you look at Jesus. We're going to look at some things in the Bible. It, 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 you know, to get you to where you can be everything God wants you to be, you've got to get uncomfortable sometimes. You got to get your cross and pick it up, amen. And sometimes the preaching, sometimes the, the teaching of God's word, sometimes the pastors say, "You got to get your cross." It's not what I wanted to hear. It's not what I, I want you to tell me. I'm okay no matter what I do, and 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 no matter what, God still loves me. He does love you, but He wants you to to take up a cross and follow Him. In Mark, the ninth chapter, Mark nine. I want to talk about some very important key points in, in the battle that we are facing today. And how the enemy fights against you 
comes against your heart, against your spirit, and robs you. The Bible says the devil doesn't come, except he has a plan to steal from you. Amen? How would you, what would you do if you knew somebody? The only time they come around, every time they leave, I don't, I'm missing something. They don't come by except they come to steal, kill, or destroy. That's your enemy. Get far away from your enemy. Get close to Jesus, your friend. Mark 9, 33. Hallelujah. It says, Jesus, and he came to Capernaum, Jesus did, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. They got caught, and they knew it. There's a lot of things that maybe when you're goofing around with somebody, maybe you're by yourself with your own thoughts, seems very reasonable. But you bring it out into the light, say it out loud with Jesus in the room, and you think, oh, how stupid am I? There's a lot of conversations that just don't, they, they make perfect sense until you bring Jesus in the equation. So what, they, he's, what was that you were disputing about along the way? Let's, let's talk about this now. And they said, they held their peace for, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. So in this rendition of this account... They, they, what was that I heard you guys talking about back there? What was that discussion that I overheard? They didn't, uh, they didn't have anything to say. Before they could even open their mouths, they're like, we, we blew it. This was dumb. And now, now I, I, I see it in the light of Jesus being in the conversation. Because they were disputing among themselves Who was the greatest? Can you imagine a discussion like that? How how can you picture 12 guys with that kind of competition attitude? I imagine maybe at first they're just kind of kidding around. You know, in my mind it just seems like children because it is childish, isn't it? But we're talking about the disciples. Did somebody just kind of kid around, kind of kid around, and say, oh, you know what, I've done more than you've ever done. And somebody else throw in, yeah, but you know what, you remember that one time you really blew it. And and maybe it was all in fun, but then all of a sudden, you you know, the, the, the sharp edges of their words get a little sharper and more obvious. Amen? Maybe the look of, of uh, hurt is showing up a little bit more as it goes on and and maybe somebody just kind of shuts their mouth and folds their arms and goes off to the side and and I don't want to be a part of this and and uh, who, who can who can know just exactly how it went but they held their peace when Jesus says talk to me about it that's why we pray that's why sometimes we need to just stop and and consider the Lord, my friend, is with me today. So they're disputing among themselves who is the greatest. What a, what a battle we have to stay humble and not try to think ourselves more high, of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Amen? 
can I say that being part of a body, being part of a team, Jesus immediately in his ministry started building a team. Amen? Bringing men together. Bringing them as a body to work together. Amen. And in church, whether you're one of the men or not, we have been brought together. That's God's plan. You would think. You would think looking at this world and some of the most richest people that are on the planet today, I would say. Maybe that's a little bit of exaggeration, but in our culture, some of the most idolized, some of the most rich are people that are on sports teams. And they have sports idols and sports heroes. Amen? Um, Men seem to like the the, the war hero stories and the the stories of... uh, uh, um, and movies and such of, uh, of men that have, have gone into battle and defeated the foe. But these are all stories, really, if you look at the real world, it's a team that has gone in and taken out uh, uh, Saddam Hussein. It's a team that goes in and rescues. It's not a, a, a one lone wolf hero. And if you ever have, I've not ever been really into sports at all and and but every time I've ever heard any bit of a sports hero talk about his victories, I, I hear, well, the team. It's the team. It, I couldn't have done it without this one and this one. We all work together well. The, uh, the slogan of some of the military is, I just need a few good men. The idea of this, you'd think, would be easy to get. But you know what? Uh, the ones that are the, the sports heroes, or even the, they're very few. I just got a chance to talk to, or not talk to, but I sat in on a meeting a few years ago, and there was a man talking uh, very bluntly about the principle he, uh, that I'm kind of getting to. He said, you know, there's, uh, he named a sports guy. I didn't know who he was when he named him, and, and I don't remember who he said. But he said, I know people that sit around and watch all them, know all their statistics, wear their number on their jersey. And, and he said, that man that is the, the sports player doesn't know who you are, doesn't want to be like you. He's going out and doing something. And you're sitting back and cheering him on doing nothing in your couch. And he said, you need to get up and figure out what God wants you to do. And do something. Amen. But see, it's easy to have these heroes and think what they're doing on their sports team or in their uh, in a SEAL team. I hear people talking about in the military, in the Navy. Praise God. But it, but there's not a lot of people who can do that because it's an attack. It's hard for for men to get together and realize it's not all about me. It's not the, the big I and the little you. Amen. The idea... That even the disciples had this struggle. Who's the best? What's that have to do with it? Who's the VIP? Amen. Or the MVP. Right? It has nothing to do with it. It's not who's the most valuable player. It's what can we do for the kingdom of God? And Jesus was trying to get them. There's this... this, need for humility that that is not saying hey let's get something done but i need to get more credit or i need to be seen or i know what what is anything getting done for god's kingdom 
if that is going to happen, there cannot be this, this disputing of who's greatest. We need to learn how to, how to be subject one to another. That is, that is such a, a battle in, in people's minds today, in people's hearts today. To, to recognize that God will reward you, that God will bless you, that God will uh, just work through you and and, and you can strengthen and bless and encourage others and, and, and not be small. Amen. That credit and, and uh, you know, in a day that we live in, I, I, you know, make fun of it occasionally. I know that it's just uh, so much of what's going on is, is online and in social media, just how many people have seen this, how many people have, have uh, liked it, how many people... And uh, I, I found myself, you know, with the live stream, you know, how many people saw it? How many people subscribed? How many people said, said that they, uh, they, they liked it and, and all that? And, like, and I was just right away, I, said, I, don't, I don't care. I don't want to see all that. I'd like to reach people. But there's this, this idea that people start to get validation. Oh, no, not everybody said they liked it. I wonder if they liked it. I wonder if something's wrong. And rather than doing what's right and what's best. And when you're a part of a team and but you're looking for that recognition rather than accomplishing something for God. See, when you love God and love His kingdom and you want to see people saved, that has very little to do with how much recognition you get from somebody else. I try my best. I want to say this. I really do try my best. I appreciate people. I do very, very little. For, from the very get-go, 20-plus years ago, I, I, I try not to just bring out one person's accomplishments and, and, and it's it's hard because there's times I really want to want to say that we needed that and, and if I do it's it's very much thought about and prayed about but there's always I don't ever want somebody to feel like oh see I don't get recognized or I don't get that attention and they always do and you know what that kind of attitude just doesn't belong in us we need to be excited for one another we need to get behind one another. Those who are doing the least, and uh, the Bible talks about the strong upholding the weak. There's a temptation. Pride says, look at me. But humility says, we did this. It's important that we have an attitude that says, your victory is our victory. My victory is our victory. And your failure is our failure. I want to take responsibility for my part and together rebuild and strengthen. Amen? Amen. There is such an attack of the enemy against our humility, against our ability to, to work together and be two or better than one, the Bible says. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. There is uh, an exponential strengthening. The Bible talks about one turning a thousand to flight. And you know, uh, praise God, if you quote it right now, I can't. But I can tell you that together we can do so much more. Jesus did not, even when he brought the disciples together and sent them out, he sent them in pairs. You go out together. You'll, you'll do so much more together. But together... We have to struggle and battle one another, uh, weaknesses together. We have to overcome things and learn and grow. And amen? 
and be challenged. But together we can do so much more. Sadly, over the years, I've seen people, suppose I will, I'll give them every benefit of the doubt right now that, say, that have so much burden. They want outreach. They want evangelism. They, they care about missionaries. But uh, they refuse to be a part of a church. We can do so much more together. Men can do so much more together. Sisters, we can do so much more, every one of us, together, amen, than what we'll ever do. And overcoming all those problems, praise God, is part of living for God. Amen. Being part of that team. Number two, turn to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Again, another very misunderstood part of living for God. And I understand a lot of people have been through a lot of bad things. And that's, that's unfortunate. It makes it harder for us. Harder for me. Harder for us. Matthew 16. Praise God. Verse 21. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Praise God. That's verse 24. I'm sorry. But back up a little bit in verse 21. Matthew 16:21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Jesus is saying, hey, this is what I'm here to do. Right? He's making it plain. He's making it clear. You know how it was. They, even after it happened, they said this Something went wrong. Peter's not sitting back going, yes, this is this what he told us. Do you remember? Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be bad for a while. But you understand, three days from this horror that we're experiencing, it's going to happen. Amen. Just like he said. That's not what Peter did. He denied even knew him. The Bible says Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that thou shalt this Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, thou savest not the things be of God, but those that be of men. It's we get focused on how he calls him Satan, the adversary. But just it's just enough to to look at Peter, one of his own disciples, say, "You you carnal, you love the things of men, not the things of the kingdom of God." That's sharp. If we're going to be everything God wants us to be, we have to be humble enough to be to be led. Leaders cannot lead if they don't know how to be led. And you'll never never amount to what God wants you to amount to without being able. To, to learn and be taught and be led. I submit to you once again that I believe that Peter's place in church history pivots on the fact that he was a man who continuously said the wrong thing. Not just once, but several times you see Peter just dropping the ball. Amen. But Peter was able to be taught. Peter, you can say he had what it takes, but you know what he had? He had the ability to hear what he needed to hear when he needed to hear it 
and be led. And one day he was able to stand up without any kind of fear and say, y'all need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We all kind of laugh at Peter and sometimes and say, oh, he always gets his foot in his mouth and says the wrong thing. And, and, and oh, the, the fact that he denied even knowing the Lord. How can you? But he was able to, to, to hear Jesus. Praise God. One more time, say, feed my sheep. I realize more than ever that there have been so many bullies in our lives, people that have not been looking out for us, but have taken everything that you are and all that you, all that you have to offer and all the gifts that you have and, and, and pushing that down as a bully and trying to make themselves look good on that. So it's, it can be very hard for people to just be a part of the team and be able to say, you know what, uh, if I need to hear it, I need to hear it. No. I'm not upset one bit this morning, and I'm not, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. But I know how easy it is in a service even like today to say, Preach to me, preacher. Get me saved. Don't fear me. Don't favor me. Tell me what I need to do. But it's not that easy for most. It really isn't. It's hard to hear, Hey, you're, you're being carnal, Peter. You're savoring the things. Hey, you know, I know that maybe people can, you know, it can come across sharp sometimes from the pulpit, but I don't know that I've ever called anybody a, a, a viper or, or Satan. And I, I know for a fact Jesus loved people much more than I could ever love people. But to reach everything we need to be, sometimes it's, it's not all just, just say you, you're awesome, you're great, you're wonderful. Sometimes you've got to hear things you don't want to hear. It's got to be a cross. And, and I, I'm not going to, to act like you haven't been hurt or you haven't been through things with your family or with churches, especially even. And, and that makes it so hard. But, but, uh, but the devil tries to fight to keep you from, from really being fulfilled in God's plan. And the battle is that pride would take over. If I would be completely honest with you, I, I pray, I look for it, I want and desire, and I know I do, to, to hear, hey, here's where you can do better. Here's where you need correction. But I can't tell you it's easy. I can't tell you it's, you know, flesh doesn't flare up and say, wait a minute, you don't understand. And there's a lot of times people don't understand and that's what makes it hard they they step into your business i've had i'm sure you have too people just hey i see a problem let me jump in there guns a blazing and deal with something very sensitive and i've even i've had preachers get pretty personal with me and be a blessing and a help to me and i've had other people just step in i say you know what that's just not uh the discussion we're going to have today not like this because there needs to be wisdom. But when God puts us together as a team, you know, there, there are times we need to hear it. You've been hurt. I've been hurt is my point. But the fact is, for Peter to get to falling all over the floor and putting his foot in his mouth and getting where he needed to be, 
he needed to hear some things that weren't just go, go, go from the cheerleading squad. Amen? There is a need for us to be taught. There is a need for us to be perfected. And in that, praise God, there can be so much to where you look back and say, now I know, now that I'm where I am today, I can see how, how that teaching and, and that preaching and that help was, was just what I needed to have the strength that I have. Some of the battles we fight, I, I see people fighting battles. I see people hurting and struggling with things that is, it's, it's, make, it's weighing them down. I've seen over the years and think I know exactly, I feel, I've prayed, I, I know just where it is there. God, help me to seek out acceptable words, the Bible says about in the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher sought acceptable words. Because I feel like if I just said, hey, let me talk to you about something. Some, sometimes that, that just being able to hear, hey, that's, that's what you need. But can you take it? Peter was able to take it. Peter didn't say, who do you think you are? He said, where else can I go? This is what I need. This is the words of eternal life. So we have to be able to, to be led. We have to be able to, to be taught. And sometimes I will say this. I've said this to probably just about every man that I know at one time or another, and I've said it to a lot of women, that men have this battle with pride. I'm not saying, sisters, you don't battle pride, but men that desire to lead, that desire to teach others can sometimes hinder us with pride will hinder us that we we don't realize, hey, I need that too in my life. Praise God. One more. First John two. First John two. Uh, just because it's so good. Let's back up just a few verses into chapter 1. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Thank God for it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, chapter 2, verse 1, These things write I unto you that ye sin not. That's important. Amen? I want to preach to you from a Bible, the word of a God that doesn't want you to fail, that wants to keep you from falling that wants to help you steer clear of sin. Amen. That's the plan. That's the purpose. And that can never be uh, taken away from the attitude of preaching. We thank God for mercy, and we're going to get to that. We thank God for grace, and thank God for, for, for an altar that we can come and say, God, forgive me of of my sins and thank God that we know that God delights in mercy. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that there's some things you don't have to fall into. Amen. 
There's some things you can keep yourself clear of and hear the preaching before your need for an altar. We preach these things that you sin not. But I'm reminded of the message I preached here a little while ago. I preached about the brutal honesty about church people. Brutal honesty about about this scripture and this plan is that plenty of people do sin. I don't like it either. You don't have to shout. That's nothing to shout about. But plenty of people mess up. Plenty of people fail. Amen. And God knows that that we need his blood. We need his mercy. We can't act like church is a place where where people don't fail and righteous don't fall seven times. It is something I pray about that we have an attitude of, come on, you can make it. An attitude uh, of holiness and loving holiness. But also be able to say, I know you don't want to be a disappointment. I know you don't want to, to hurt people. I know you don't want to... To, to let people down, but if you've fallen, there's mercy for you. You don't want to have an attitude that says, ah, you know, everybody fails, don't worry about it. No, we want you to stand. We want you to be good, do right, amen? We don't want to have an attitude that everybody, you know, it's gotten to a place where people have made a, a cliche of it. Oh, we all fail God thousands of times in words, words and action, thought and deed is what they'll say. Word, thought and deed. We sin every day and, and there's sins of commission, sins of omission, things you do, things you fail to do. And we're all guilty all the time. Nobody ever's living right. So you can't, no, that's not it. These things I write unto you that you sin not. God. God wants you to be living right, and and uh, and you 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 disappoint yourself. You disappoint, uh, I, I, you know, you, you when you fall. But but the church is here to help you keep going. Because the Bible says, if any man sin, again, let's let's make it clear. If right, it's not just oh well when. But we need this verse. Let's be brutally honest. People need it. I know some of you, it's your desire. Hey, I, you know, sin is, is, is it's sinful. It's wrong. It's, it's going to take people to hell. You're right. You're right. I know you're right. And this, we preach these things. But plenty of people need an advocate. I wish it was a lot less most days. If any man sin, we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney. We have someone standing with us. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. My last point. My first point was that we need to recognize that the enemy tries to keep us from being a part of a team. The unity, the working, the building together rather than just uh, me and see me and, and, and recognize me. Number two the uh, the ability to be led, the ability to be taught. Number three is the ability to to admit that you you're wrong. Repentance, amen. The Bible talks about the Pharisees in Jesus' day, and they were they that justified themselves. Right? They couldn't just say, "Jesus, you're right, and I'm wrong," but they were wrong. And you're not always wrong. 
Some people might act like it, but you're not always wrong. But when you're wrong, you need to be man enough to admit it and be able to say, you know what, I need an altar in my life. There is a battle for pride in the life of a child of God that, that keeps us from, from, from being able to say, hey, I was wrong. Remember, we use often David who, who acknowledged his own transgressions. It wasn't, I'm more righteous than Bathsheba, or I'm more righteous than, than Saul, or uh, there's people worse than me. It was, I have sinned. Amen? The fact that you try really hard, the fact that you work really hard at it, and there's so many people that don't care, doesn't matter. When you mess up, you've got to repent. To be able to admit you're wrong when you're wrong, whether you've got to apologize to, to a wife or a child, or you've got to apologize to a, a friend or a pastor and say, I was wrong, I, I'm sorry, is strength. It's humility. Pride that won't allow you. So often, I remember, I've, I've heard, first heard it preached by Brother Ron Garrett think out in Oklahoma once and he talked about Nabal who was a man who a man could not speak to. He was unreasonable. His whole family and everything he had would have been slaughtered if it wasn't for Abigail coming and talking sense to David. But nobody could go and reason with him and say, Nabal, you're wrong. David's righteous. David helped you. He was right no matter how wrong he was in his own eyes. And we have to be able. I know we're under attack. There's a lot of people that don't care. Jobs that you've worked, relationships, people in your family, and even in church sometimes where you're right, but everybody says you're wrong. And that's hard. It's hard to to be completely misunderstood, misjudged. And when that happens enough times, it's easy to miss the fact that, hey, when I am wrong, I do, I do need to make it right. I do need to, to do right. You can't let all the bad experiences keep you from doing what you need to do. And the strength is being able to stand and say, hey, I, I know when to repent. Even though maybe many, many times the finger's been pointed at you and it was the wrong direction. Being able to still admit that you're wrong when you're wrong is not weakness, it's strength. Being able to fall on your knees. I don't know why I've thought about it a lot lately. But I remember being in a service that wasn't in the church I grew up in, but I was taken to another Pentecostal service somewhere in the community. And I remember seeing a, a, a grown man, not a bit of weakness in him, seemed like a great guy from what I could tell, strong. He was a man. But I saw him at the altar later in the service, weeping and crying, tears rolling down his cheeks, just fervently crying. And I remember as a young man that just caught my attention and thought, oh, wow. 
it, it kind of, it, I'll be honest, it kind of at that time in my life, I guess just my surroundings up to that point, it kind of messed with my head a little bit and thought, how could he, he be so, you know, just, just transparent? A man broken, a man weeping like that. But, and I, I don't know that I ever saw it to that point. Probably just before being a teenager. But it, it impacted me. To, and later in that, thinking about that, realized that was strength. That was a man. That, that people around him, his family, his children around him could see real tears and real humility, real brokenness. That in a world that, that tries so hard to, to, to put you down and it's easy to build up calluses, easy to, to, to get hardened against all the hurt that you've been through, but still being able to, to be broken, be humble, still be able to care when others need help and others are hurting, if I can just add to that. But being able to be weak, being able to be wrong, and say, be able to tell somebody else, no, you're right. Praise God. And I need to repent. It's a battle. It's a battle to be humble. In a day so full of adversity, and I don't think it's any easier today than it's ever been. When you see all the confusion in the world, all the perversion in the world, for you and I to be everything God wants us to be. To be in the place and to be the part of the team. To be a part of God's kingdom. To thank God for it. And all that, like, like we've used recently in, in Nehemiah, the, the, the battles without, the battles within. Even Nehemiah himself, I think you can see areas where he, he dealt with his own weakness, his own frustrations, his own anger. But in it all, we've we're, we got to be heading in the right direction of God's will for our lives. And to be the church, the devil's fighting, but we need to be clothed with humility. Can we turn back one more time to our, our text? I want to bring out one more thing a little more clearly before we close. First Peter 5. Likewise, verse 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Verse 6 is what we want to look at. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God has a plan to exalt. In his time, the humble. What does the Bible say in the... Is it uh, Matthew 5, the meek, the humble shall inherit the earth? It's been quoted many times, but the, I, sometimes when you quote things so often, you lose the meaning. But, but it's that those that are clothed with humility are the people who are going to reign with him in his kingdom. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. He exalts the humble. He abases the proud. The first will be last. The last, the humble will be first in God's kingdom, always. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Sister Katie, if you'd come play something for us, please. More and more I see what we're up against, the, the battles that the enemy places all around us. and 
so often pride. Pride often coupled with fear holds people back. Keeps people from God's will in their lives. It's not easy. And just like I said, there are conversations about how difficult it can be for the youth in this day. I understand the battle. I understand what the enemy, how the enemy comes against us. That doesn't change what we need to do and who we need to be, but I understand the battles that we fight. People using us, people accusing us, people try so hard to make you look foolish. And and the thing is, they can't keep you from what God has for you, the blessings of God in your life. They can't stop that. But it can work on us to keep it, make it harder for us to be a part of a church that works together, builds together. Church is not just the preacher preaching, but it's all of us preaching. It's not a, just a song leader worshiping. It's all of us worshiping and praying one for another. make it tough all the things that we've been through to to be led, to be taught to hear something we don't want to hear to be able to say I was wrong when I'm wrong but God's going to give us the grace to to keep doing better I'm praying for you more and more I've prayed for patience, God help me to to help those that like Peter, God's got a plan for you, but you need led. You need taught. You need to overcome all that's come against you in your life. And God's going God's to exalt you. God's going to work. You hold on. You hold on. A lot's not fair. A lot of things are not right. Yeah, but hold on. God's God's going to bring His order into it. And the first will be last. The last will be first. Come on, let's pray. God, we worship You. We thank You, God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love You, Jesus. Just to be like Him all through life's journey. To glory, I only ask just to be like Him. Help us, God. Help us. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. On earth I long just to be like him.
your people now, I pray. Use us for your glory. Use us, Lord, to shine the light brightly, God, and we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.